Sissy, I have a question for you. Queso or guac? Well, I'm used to us asking that question, but not answering it. But I think I would choose queso. How would you feel about queso being central to your dinner tonight? Oh, I love that plan. Thanks to one of our sponsors, that can be your reality. Factor is helping me make red pepper queso chicken tonight. That sounds amazing. I love Factor. I just made a green chili pork and pico de gallo bowl. Did it bowl you over? (laughs) It did. (laughs) With Factor, you'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We have done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. Flexible for your schedule? Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash rbg50 and use code rbg50 to get 50% off. That's code rbg50 at factormeals.com slash rbg50 to get 50% off. Hey friends, welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. And I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you joined us for this conversation. Let's dive in. Joey Odom is the co-founder of a product we love called Aro with Heath Wilson. Joey recently relocated to Knoxville, Tennessee from Atlanta with his wife and two kids. Prior to founding RO, Joey was an executive in commercial real estate and, like his friend and co-founder Heath, realized his phone was distracting him from the most important thing in his life, his family. He's famous for saying, when you change your relationship with your phone, you change your relationship with everyone around you, including yourself. You will enjoy listening to and learning from this conversation with our friend, Joey Odom. Well, we almost forgot to hit record because we enjoy this person so much. We were just (laughs) talking away and forgot we're actually here to do an interview. Yeah. Joey, it is so much fun to be in the room with you again. We just, only wish you'd brought Kristen. Yes, we I do. know. She's, she is disappointed, believe me, but I'm, uh, I'm her surrogate here, I guess, <laughs> just being myself and her all at once. Perfect. <laughs> We're so grateful you're here. Well, it's fun to be you. in the room with you again, and so fun to get to talk more about this incredible product that you and Heath created. But first, just will you tell us about you, your family, and yeah. kind of how you found your way to the work you're doing? Yeah, for sure. And and by the way, let's we'll continue the love fest, you guys, and that for the listener, 
they're as wonderful as you would hope, as, as, as yeah, you hear, as what you see, really, truly. First time Heath and I met you, I was shocked by just, oh, this is them. Everything you see is exactly the same. So thank you for the work you're doing. You guys are just the best. And, you know, even David, you said, talking about the product, we're, I, I really would love to, as, as we talk, is just about not a product, not a, not anything like that, but just a lifestyle and really this amazingly hopeful opportunity all of us have in front of us. And my story, my, my wife, Kristen, who, who Sissy referenced, my wife, Kristen, and I have been married almost 20 years. We have a daughter, Gianna, who's 13, Harrison's son, who's 15. And when Harrison was five, so I'll take you back a decade. And this, this to me is the, is really the story that, that began the journey of where we are today. So when Harrison was five, and Harrison, again, is just the greatest kid in the world. At five, he's just such a sweet, great kid. He's playing his first soccer season, and as great of a kid as he is, he was not a great soccer player. So he's he's out there, and everybody, and ev- there's, there's a kid on every team like this where everybody's scored a goal except for one kid. And mm-hmm. Harrison, as sweet as he was, is that was that one kid. By the way, this is all with his permission. He's, he's okay with me telling this. <laughs> But another Saturday afternoon, we go out, he's playing, and, you know, it's one of those, that, as the season wears on, you may you may be able to relate to this, you you get to a point where it's just, you just go through the motions, you just, you lug out the, you lug out the lawn chairs, you sit there, you wait for an hour, and then you leave, and so this day was different, though, this day was a little bit magical, because midway through the game, and I remember it almost like it's in slow motion, almost like you hear the James Horner music, you know, cue up in the background, mm-hmm. the dramatic music. Harrison rears back his leg. He kicks the ball, goes end over end, into the back of the net. So Harrison scores his first goal. And the crowd, all the parents go wild. They know what had just happened. His coach is so excited for him. He goes and picks him up. But the coolest moment was what happened the second after he scored. And a five-year-old boy, what does he do? but he turns the sidelines to catch dad's eyes for us to have this beautiful moment where he sees the pride on my face. He sees me smile. He knows that we should share this this amazing thing. And I was able to see him score his goal, which was amazing and magical, except I didn't see it. I missed missed that moment. And it was because I was looking down at my phone and I I have, Mm. I think, bruises on my right rib still from Kristen elbowing me and Mm. telling me you just missed Harrison scoring his first soccer goal. That was unfortunately one of multiple of those stories of moments of of missing moments. And it was really then when I realized something is that this, my relationship with this little plastic thing that sits in my pocket is impacting the relationships with the people who I say are most important to me. So it wasn't just Harrison missing the soccer goal. It was, it was you know, missing Gianna. It was, it was missing moments with Kristen where she's trying to open up and talk to me. And here I do, here I glance at my phone. And so this thing was impacting all of, you know, all of the areas of life that I said were most important to me, which is crazy and it's sad and it's it's all these things. But I think my story is we talk with people we're finding that everybody has these stories. Sure. Yes. These stories of their kids, their three-year-olds grabbing their face, literally grabbing your face and turning it to us. Mm-hmm. I, I had a friend the other day it sent me a video and it was his son, Jack. He was he was playing in the backyard. His son's three and they were playing football. His son had the helmet on, the, the shoulder pads and everything. And his, and my friend Mike is videoing it. And Jack said, he goes, hey, Mike says, throw me the ball, Jack. And Jack says, wait, 
dad, put down your phone. So here's Mike capturing this great moment, this great Mm. moment with them. And it just made me think, here we are all as a society, instead of capturing moments and memories, we're really just capturing videos, which, which is, which is is like a great statement. It's it's like a shadow of the real thing. The real thing is the thing, right? The thing happening, not the video of the thing happening. Right. And so we're trying to preserve all these memories without actually fully experiencing them. Mm. So I had that realization that something was wrong, that, that this relationship with my phone is impacting the greatest relationships around me. And so Heath, who's now my business partner, he called me several years after and he said, hey, I got this idea. And we shared and commiserated and, hey, we were both struggling with the same thing and we just had this thought. And it was really just what if. And the what if was, what if the world could look different? What if this didn't have to be this way? Because we walk around with resignation around screens. So that's just how kids are. Oh, well, you know, you have to have your phones. But what if things could look at a little bit different. So that that's that was the beginning of of RO and um and it really was the foundational thing in in our failures to now like I said to have this story of hope that we can all have when it comes to technology and devices. Mm. I love that so much. And we're both proud owners. Yes, we are. Yes. (laughs) Thanks to y'all. We're so grateful. And we uh, we love what the word RO means and how it speaks to your mission. Will you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. RO is this beautiful uh, term from the Maori language. And I'm actually mispronouncing RO just a little bit. I believe it's like RO or something. There's a little bit more of an inflection to it. So the Maori um, people in the New Zealand uh, tribal language, it's a word that means to notice. And we, when we were presented with this word, and we were exploring words, and what should this be called? We, we stumbled across this word, this word through um, through some partners of ours, and we're just like, this is it. This is this is the thing. And and because everybody talks about presence and focus, well, hold on, we can't do any of that until we notice. And the notice, the notice could be a feeling that you're feeling inside of yourself. The notice could be the beautiful words on a page. The notice could be when your daughter, and I, I had a moment like this with Gianna where she's reaching up. I, I still picture her walking out of, Bra- of a Braves game and I'm irritated, I'm agitated, it's raining. And it, and she just reaches her hand up and I saw her hand, I just noticed that. And there was a moment of RO, that was a moment of notice. Mm. And mm. so it's less about Oh, put your phone down. That's no, that's not great. But but it's what happens on the other side of it, which is we notice the world around us. So we're we we have this goal, this crazy vision and mission that we can we can create an, an entire generation of intentional families. So we're all about families, and that's our goal. And so that begins with us noticing one, there's a problem. Us noticing that here's our role in that, us noticing what can happen when we do that, because there is magic that happens all around us. And then frankly, and not to drag people through the glass because we don't want that, but noticing the alternative. What what happens if we don't? What happens if we don't notice these things happening with our kids or in our relationships? So RO kind of encompasses all of that. And it also means there's a secondary, and I'll get to this in a little bit, but it also means to turn towards. Mm. And we're finding that it's really hard emotionally and physically to turn towards anything that's important to us when we're holding this phone in our hands. Mm. Yes. Well, as Sissy mentioned, you kindly shared this product with both of us and we fell in love with it. And I want to say first how amazing it looks, which I think is so important to a lot of people when you think about having something in your home. I I know that's not of great significance, but I think it is of significance for folks. But the even more significant thing being the ease of use mm-hmm. that I love so much because yeah. I think 
parents feel so overwhelmed so often about yeah. adding in something else that might involve, mm. you know, I've got to figure this out. And it seems overwhelming. Will you talk some just about the yeah. way it works? Yeah. And to begin, to, to start with your comment on it being beautiful, that is mm. absolutely critical because we the way we look at this, when our, our attachment to our phones, and there could be some debate and you you all would win this if you took the other side, but we the way we talk about phone use for ourselves and with our families, a lot of people use the word addiction and they use it a little bit loosely. Oh, I'm so addicted to my phone. Right. I, I believe the statistics, it's in the single digits of people in America who are actually addicted to their phones. We rather talk about it in terms of habit. This is a habit that I can change because what happens with addiction is you kind of, you kind of say to yourself subtly that I don't have any control. I don't have any agency over this. Where with a habit, you're like, oh, I do have agency. I can do something with this now. But in fact, with, with addiction, you say, I've, I'm completely powerless. Well, we think you do have power over this. So that's important when it comes to habit because this is all built around the habit loop. The habit loop always begins with a visual cue. That visual cue has to be beautiful. If you have an exercise bike and it's in your basement, you're much less likely to use it than if it's on your main floor because you see it and it's a visual cue of the things that you want to do. Even more importantly, it's a visual cue of the things you want to be, the person you want to be. So the RO Box, it's a platform, very succinctly, it's a platform that makes it easy for you to put down your phone so that you, you can engage in the real life happening around you. And it begins with a box that lives in your home, and it and it's intended to be on display. It is it's wife designed, it's wife approved. So that's that's where we began. It had to be beautiful for anybody to leave it out because you could easily say, well, why why couldn't I just put my phone in a shoebox? It's great. A shoebox lasts about forty six minutes in my <laughs> kitchen before my <laughs> wife throws it out. Right? It has it has to be beautiful. So. The habit loop that begins with a visual cue. When you drop your phone in RO, it automatically connects to an app that begins to quantify the amount of time you're away from your phone. So we found Apple has the screen time function that we're all familiar with. Screen time function tells you how much time you've been on your phone throughout the week, which is not actionable. It's not motivating. You usually feel kind of down about it versus here where you say, Okay, well, I've been physically distant from my phone, which is, according to Dr. Maxie Heitmeyer at the London School of Economics, the only way to reduce your screen time is for you to be physically distant from it and it be out of your visual field of sight. So that's what this is based around. Just get it out of your visual field of sight. It's not a lockbox. It doesn't disable of your, any of your phone's functionality, but it does create this force field between you and your phone that's really, really important. And that tracking of your time allows us to do some really fun things with it in gamifying the experience of being away from your phone, which is huge. This gamifying these little breadcrumbs we have along the way. So you can compete against others in your home uh, within the app. You can set daily goals that you have. You have streaks, which are huge. My daughter Gianna's on a 49-day streak of physical wow. time distant from her phone right now which is huge. And we have an away mode also where she's she's out of town right now, but she can still have RO time without the box physically. Mm. So begin with the cue. It leads to the routine of putting down your phone and then it crescendos in a reward. That's the habit loop, cue, routine, reward. That reward is the real, real powerful piece of this. When we were beta testing RO, we would ask people, okay, you just saw on the app that you spent 40, you know, 49 minutes away from your phone. How do you feel? And there was one word across the board, probably to a person, and that word was, I feel proud. Mm -hmm. I feel proud that I've spent time away from my phone. But even more than that, the reward, and we can we can give you badges and all that stuff in the app, that's fine. But seeing your time 
And then knowing what you've done with it is critical. That's the biggest piece. Like I said, it's not inspirational to put down your phone, but it is really incredible to know that you've just done something. And especially when you can see that because you tag your session almost like a fitness app where you can see what you've done after that. So I can see, like I can see how I can see how much time this past year I did my my morning devotions without my phone, or how much time I spent with Kristen without my phone, or how much time I spent reading without my phone. When you see that accumulating effect that's when it really becomes motivating. That's the real reward. And then what happens? You go right back into the beginning of the habit loop and you start doing it all over again. So we've built it around habit. Our our perspective on it is it's habit, not addiction. And it is, and this is shocking to us, it's the only screen time solution designed for families on the market, mm-hmm. which is which is crazy. It's 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 normally a a child control app or you know right. or a parental control app that we that you use it actually funny enough it works kind of the opposite it's usually parents you know the traditional model is parents controlling their kids screen time especially with families we'll we'll talk a little bit more about this especially with families who have young kids who don't have phones it's a parental control app in that they're controlling their parents. They're grabbing mm. their phone and putting it in the RO box so their parents <laughs> will spend time it's with incredible. them. Yeah. It really is an amazing thing that happens from this we had the, a member who's did a review on YouTube about it, who had like, we didn't know this was coming. We didn't know she had a YouTube channel. She has like a million followers on YouTube. And she had a line in there. She said, this silly little box has changed my life, Mm. which is great. And it is, it's a silly little box. And there's a lot, I mean, anything, anything powerful is very simple, but this whole platform and system, it has gone and it has actually changed the way that people interact with their phones. Because when you change your relationship with your phone, you change your relationship with everyone around you. Mm. Yes, so true. Yes, it is. David, I love that candle you're burning. You seem to always have a great candle burning. I am very aware of how room smells. When you've spent over a decade with a 75-pound Labrador Retriever and two teenage boys, you start (laughs) to worry that your house smells like the inside of a gym bag. I would imagine so. You know what I wish we'd had for the last decade? What? That Puro Air Purifier we now own and use all the time. I love my Puro Air too. Did you know that indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? Yes, I lived with two teenage boys. I can 100% (laughs) testify to that. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Gases from a preteen boy? (laughs) I'm dreading when my nephews start making those gases. Just you wait. Thankfully, Puro Air uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. You wouldn't drink unfiltered tap water, so why would you breathe unfiltered air? Thanks to my Puro Air purifier, I feel like I can breathe again. Check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, get puroair.com. Check it out now. Sissy, I loved seeing your pictures from the weekend at the lake house with your college friends. We had the best time. I could tell. We laughed harder than I have laughed in a long time. Good for you. That photo of us out on the porch is thanks to the great folks at Home Threads. We love our new porch furniture. It's so comfortable, functional, and looks incredible. We have loved our home thread purchases as well. I feel like I'm staying in a swanky hotel every time I use our new towels. 
Connie bought them for when we have guests, and I proceeded to use them for myself. So we had to buy more. (laughs) Parents, are you ready to transform your home into a haven for your growing family? Look no further than Home Threads, your destination for stylish and functional furniture that's perfect for raising boys and girls. At HomeThreads.com, discover a curated collection of furniture designed with your family in mind. From durable bunk beds to versatile storage solutions, our pieces are as resilient as your little adventures and always at the best value. I need a lot of durable furniture when it comes to my little nephews. Yes, you do. Create a space where memories are made and imaginations run wild. Go to HomeThreads.com RBG and get 15% off your first order. Home Threads. Shop today and love where you live. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So obviously you're talking about decreasing screen time, increasing family time, which we are so much about at Raising Boys and Girls. Will you, and you've alluded to some stories already, but will you share Mm. about the impact, just what people are saying? Yeah. As a result of using it? It's, when we... When we launched Aura, we assumed that every family would kind of look like ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heath, Heath's family and my family's, um, we each have multiple kids who are teenagers who have phones. What we found is that the younger kids, the earlier you can do this, the earlier you can get ahead of this, the more powerful it is. So one of my favorite stories comes out of Houston from a woman named Rebecca. And she made an Instagram comment on one of our posts that just said, thank you for changing my life about RO. And so I, I reached out to her and I said, hey, will you tell me what, what does that mean? What, what? And she told me that she, her husband works on an oil rig. He's on two weeks. He's off two weeks. This sounds like a made up story, by the way. This is actually like <laughs> working on an oil rig. People still do that. I mean, it's, it's you know, a yeah. vital part of what, what we do out there. And so she, she said with her five-year-old and her three-year-old, she said she had tried everything out there to control it because they need, these boys needed her fully when they were home, when she was home, especially when dad's home. She needs to have connected time with him. He needs to have connected time with the boys. She said she tried everything and she said this thing, she goes, this has been the answer. This has, and she says her, her kids, like I said, the five-year-old and three-year-old say, mommy, do you really need your phone right now? Mommy, why don't we put your phone in the, in the box thingy? Can we put your phone? Wow. Because what's happening, and this is what this is what gets me so excited, is that up to this point, our kids have believed that they are the distraction and our phone's the focus by the way that we act, by the, the way that we live. Oh, hold on one second. I'm on my phone. It's, it's all... But what's happening in, uh, in homes like this, like in Rebecca's home, it's totally flipping, is that the boys are beginning to normalize the fact that Wait, I I should have the focus right now. Mm. And again, we understand people need their phones for stuff. It's not like we're you know we're painting this kind of ethereal picture of what the world could look like. But when it's when it's phone downtime, she's fully there with the boys, and it's normalizing that for them. And so that is having such a huge impact on foundational sense of value for those boys that say, "I deserve mom's eyes looking at my eyes. Mm. I deserve that. I'm worthy of that. That's good." Now, so 
we hear stories like that every week of people saying, this has changed my life. I've tried everything. And this has been the thing that's actually made the difference. So it's, those are the ones I'm, I'm a bit of a crier to begin with, but those, those are the ones where I just sit there and think, I think back when we began this journey and thought, wow, wouldn't it be neat if, if this helped our own families mm. and if it helped our own families, what if it helped some other family? What if it helped our friends? What if it helped some others? So it's, it's those stories that really keep us going and, and, fuel that fire in us that says that this can be an entire generation. Mm -hmm. This isn't just a few families. This really can be an entire generation. And what would that do for a bunch of other five-year-olds and three-year-olds or 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 16-year-olds? What does that help them? What does help those boys and girls? What does it make those them become when they become men and women? Mm. I do. I vividly remember the first time I had a girl in counseling who said, I feel like I'm competing with mm. the phone for my mom and dad's wow. attention. I, and I mean, it was probably five years ago, mm. and I can't count the amount of times I've heard it since. And mm. so, you know, all the reasons we're so grateful yes. for what y'all are doing. Yes. And I want to go back to something you said yeah. that I love a few minutes ago when you talked about changing your relationship with your phone yeah. changes your relationship with everyone mm. around you, including yourself. And yeah. and just would love to ask you personally, like, yeah. How have you seen it change you? How have you seen yeah. it impact your family? I, I would you know, to to quote a, a famous writer. I was the chief of sinners when it when it come mm -hmm. when it came to this, and I told you my story, my soccer story, and the thing that where I saw the contrast of that very specifically was three years ago. My daughter Gianna and I were watching a Harry Potter movie, so we watched the movie together. She loved Harry Potter at the time. And we got to the end of the movie and she turned to me and she said, Daddy, did you know that's the first time we've ever watched a movie and you haven't had your phone? I hadn't, it, it, it caught me off guard in one way, it punched me in the gut and the other way it made me feel really good. But I thought the fact that it was so notable to us and back to the word notice, I don't think we realize how much our kids notice. Mm -hmm. Our kids see everything we're doing. They're soaking in everything and they're just adjusting along the way. You all know this better than anyone. They're adjusting along the way. They're adjusting how they do things. That's why when our kids will say from a very young age, they say, daddy, put down your phone. Mommy, put down your phone. That's a, if you're a parent and you've heard that line, that's a wonderful line because mm. that's telling you a couple things. One, they're saying, your kids want you to focus on you. They like you. That's good. They, they, you should take you could take, should take some solace in that. They really want to spend time with you. Right. And two, they believe they deserve it. Mm. And so, Gianna, and so when it's it's when your kids stop saying, "Mommy, put down your phone," "Daddy," that's when you should really be concerned, mm -hmm. because what you, what you do, and this my daughter experienced this in that moment. Our kids will notice when we're not with them, but they they notice when we are with them. And what we're saying to them in those moments where we put down our phone, especially when they can see you physically go do that, what you're saying to them is, Gianna felt at that moment, while there are 8 billion people theoretically in the world who can reach me on my phone, she was more important than every single one of them. Mm -hmm. So what's that going to do when she's, when she's confronted as a teenager with bullying or comparison or any of that? She's going to know, no, I'm loved. I, I am worthy of love. I'm, I'm worthy and be I'm beloved. So that's one. And then the other thing, I had this realization, this was a specific contrast to the story with Harrison, because at five years old, I don't think I was writing a good story. I, I think I was writing a fairly passive story. It wasn't as if anything was super traumatic, but I just wasn't fully present with him. And, and I had a realization leaving a tennis tournament with Harrison. He plays tennis. He and I were talking about sex and, you know, stuff that you talk about with 15-year-olds that that is, you know, pretty intense and uncomfortable for him. But 
I had this realization, I'm living the story that I always wanted to when I imagined having a son. And that's a rewrite of the story. So for anybody listening, I, I want to encourage that if you feel a, a, a piece of resignation that says, oh, this isn't, you know, I guess this is how it's going to be, or ah, things aren't turning out the way I wanted them to. I just, I do just want to go back to the encouragement that things can look different. Like all of this, even though it may feel bad because you have to look at yourself and say, where am I? What's my piece of responsibility in this equation? I still think people should walk away with a piece of hope, understanding that it's it's a couple subtle changes. In fact, it's it's I believe, I really do believe this, that this change has the most outsized impact relative to effort of anything we can do in our relationships. Mm. This thing right here, literally the physical act of putting down your phone, I think has the greatest outsized impact on our relationship relative to effort. And we're all looking, we're all looking for levers. That's just a lever. We're looking for life levers all the time. Thing where you don't have to do much, but it does something great. This is that thing. I had a friend the other day who said my, he was talking about his, his marriage was in kind of a rough spot. And I said, man, I bet you, I bet you, 30% of it is because you're on your phone all the time. And he disagrees. And no, no, no. He goes, I think it's probably about 60%. Wow. That's it. Wow. Just start there. You know wow. what I mean? Just see what happens. So my my life, and you could ask my wife, you could ask my kids, I think they would say that the change in me has been tremendous. Wow. Not perfect, but making progress daily. Wow. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Okay, so we talk a lot, obviously, mm -hmm. raising boys and girls about helping kids become emotionally strong and yeah. worry-free. Mm. How do you feel like mm. this shift can contribute to that? When we realized, when society realized that we all knew smoking hurt, at some point we realized, okay, smoking is damaging us. When we realized that it was affecting our kids, all of a sudden things shifted. When secondhand smoke we knew was affecting our kids, that's when everything changed when it came to smoking. So... What we're seeing now, and we all know this, you all see this on a daily basis, is that teenage ha unhappiness is at an all-time high. And it started when? About 15 years ago, which just happens to coincide with the ubiquity of the iPhone and with, with smartphones. And again, this is no condemnation on phone. This is not an anti-tech movement. Again, we're a tech company. <laughs> there is a, a direct connection to when those things became so commonplace and they were in homes. And like I said, all of a sudden when eye contact was lost to eyes looking at screens, teenage unhappiness went through the roof. But again, that was for kids who were zero, one, two years old and who are now teenagers. So their foundational sense of value, what, we, what I believe, what we've seen is that the foundational sense of value for kids is going down. So they're looking for communities that they're trying to find online. They're looking for when they're, when they're faced with comparison online or bullying, they just don't have any defense against it because they don't have a foundational sense of value. So I believe that the tide, people are recognizing this, the tide is turning. We are strong believers that it begins with parents that's the biggest thing. I, we, we talk about the three M's a bunch. I think the model that we've seen so far is the first M is that what we do as parents is that we model generally a bad relationship with our phones. And then when our kids, we give them a phone and then they just mimic exactly what we've modeled mm -hmm. for them. 
And then we do something crazy with the third M. The craziest thing we do is then we get mad at our kids for mimicking the behavior we've modeled for them. Mm. And that's Uh, all. And so that cycle just continues to perpetuate. And you can see, and again, we just like with alcohol or with this, the longer you delay, longer you delay, the better. But it begins with what have you modeled? So as parents, we have such such an incredible opportunity to do that. And if you want to raise a confident kid, because I think that thought about a lot of adjectives here, but I think confident kids, confidence may be, confidence kind of overblown and, and kind of underrated too. If you have a kid who knows who they are, if their confidence really draws from a lot of self-worth and a lot of knowing their love, knowing their value, I think you can, I think that kid can probably take over the world with just a little bit of confidence. And I think that's what we're seeing as a major deterioration that begins with a complete, I would say we're in a little bit of an intimacy crisis right now as a society too just an unwillingness because if, if Gianna, my daughter, if she's 13, you know, she's 13, if she comes to me and she wants to talk to me about something, all it takes for me in that moment is a quick glance at my phone to kill her willingness to be intimate and close with me and talk with me again. And it's not just that moment that dies, but it's any subsequent moment in her mind, she's going to think that kind of felt bad the last time that dad phone snubbed me in the middle of a conversation versus if she comes to me, and this we encourage people to do this all the time, if she comes to me and says, hey, Dad, can I talk to you about something? That my first thing that I do, that's a cue to me to say, yes, but let me put my phone away first. And if we could get into that habit, if we're looking for cues, the, the, the major encouragement we give to people are two things. One, look for cues just like that. If you're if your wife says, hey, um, you know, let's go on a date, that's a cue when you get there to hand her your phone so you can be fully present with her. When your daughter's there and she wants to open up, you just say, yes, but let me put my phone away. And then the second thing is look for sacred sacred spaces, sacred uh, sacred time, sacred places. That's Justin Whitmill early talks about that is when's a sacred time? Family dinner is a great sacred time. Where's a sacred place? Our friends Andrew uh, East and Sean Johnson, they... Um, they have a room in their house that's just a total phone-free room. It's actually their TV room and they watch movies together. But what a great sacred place to know that no, because when you walk in, something's different. And then you walk into something where you know you're going to be connected. So sacred times, sacred places, and then always looking for cues to put down your phone. Oh, I love that. I do too. Okay, one of the ways RO is described, I love this, is an in-home digital well-being solution. What do you think digital well-being looks like for a family with young children and on, and then also for a family with teenagers? I think in the young ages especially, I would encourage parents to understand one, understand the enormous impact and weight of their actions, what that is and how and just recognizing one how much your kids are noticing everything you're doing and normalizing that behavior, it will become normal to them. So that's all the modeling years. Those early years are all modeling years. We encourage people, like I said, the most effective is with kids who don't have phones. Those families are the ones who are really thriving here. And one of the best practices we've seen them is say to your child, hey, will you go put my phone, if you have an RO box, great, put it in RO, or will you go put this in the drawer? Again, it's that signal to them. It's building a muscle memory, frankly, in your kids to put your phone down and make it normal to be apart from your phone. So digital well-being, I believe, at a young age there is, when kids are young, is helping them see it, recognizing your role, and then helping them really see that on a consistent basis, putting that away. For adolescents, that 
it, it's a little bit of the launch phase, especially as they're getting into their upper teen year, mid teenage years. So my 15 year old son, he still doesn't have Safari on his phone, for example. We're going to introduce that at some point and offer some, you know, helpful tools because we have to. We, we, we've gotten it's in some ways as a society, it's almost like we're with with phones. We're replaying the Sleeping Beauty story, which the Sleeping Beauty, as you may remember, the young princess. There's a prophecy that said that she would prick her finger on a spinning wheel at some point. So her parents got rid of every spinning wheel in the kingdom except for one that somehow they missed in the basement. But then the first time that the the young princess saw a spinning wheel, because she had no practice with it, what did she do? She pricked her finger because she had no idea what to do with that thing. Mm. So when parents hand their kids a phone, that to me, that that shouldn't happen until the parent realizes that I'm about to double my workload because I got to really double down here on monitoring texts and talking through things. And it can be a little bit overwhelming and there are a bunch of folks that have good resources. You all have a have, have a resource for that as well on how you can be active with your kids in it. But digital well-being in that phase for adolescents, I believe, is your kids, you're going to see the mimicking of whatever you've modeled and then helping them launch, helping them launch into a good relationship with their phone, continuing. And I think this is where parents a lot of times will miss it. It's okay to treat your child like a child, even if they're 15, 16, 17. That's okay. It is absolutely okay. You're doing a favor to a 17-year-old when you tell them you don't sleep with your phone in your room. Because yes. we we know the most effective form of torture still of all the torture methods is sleep <clears throat> deprivation. Mm. That's the thing still that 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 messes with people the most. And so you have a kid who has stress, has friend issues, and has you know trying to work the things online, and then they don't have sleep. That's a, an absolute recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. So you're doing your child a favor by continuing to lay down rules. No, we don't have the phones at the dinner table. Hey, when your friends are over, when it, when it's nine o'clock, let's all put our phones downstairs. That's gonna sound drastic to some people, but they will absolutely thank it for you you for it. You're doing them a favor and you're helping them Later. to learn. Not yet. Not yet. But absolutely yes, not. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Joey, these are so good. So you'll see, you'll see that over time. So um so that that's what we say is continue to be a parent in, in, when kids with adolescence they're going to they're going to model what you mimic and then you can continue to have things that you should yourself um that you should abide by as well. Mm. Well, I would imagine they're I don't know. I was going to say kajillion. I don't know what that means. And we don't have that many listeners, but there are a lot of people I know already mm-hmm. listening who are thinking, how do I get one? Yeah. So will you talk about where yeah. people get, can go to get an RO box and also just where they can learn more? Yeah. Well, we'd love for people to follow us on Instagram at GoRONow. Uh, we have a po- podcast as well that that has uh, hosted the two of you. Um, it's called the RO Podcast, uniquely titled. And um, people can go to goro.com to learn more. And it, the RO is a membership. It is the real power is in the app. The, the box comes with the membership, but the real power is in the app and the gamification and kind of removing the friction of doing something difficult. So goro.com is where you can go order if you would like. You can always email us with questions uh, and then follow us on Instagram and, and listen to the podcast. Go do that right now. We are so grateful for this. We're such fans of your work. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, So thankful we got to spend more time with you. And we like to end with something fun and food related. Sure, of course. So we're going to hit you with a two-part question. Part one, queso or guac. Mm. Part two, what's your favorite taco? I got to go queso on the first one. 
and I should say guac. It's post Christmas, and <laughs> the, the guac would be better. But I just you can't. I can't say no to queso. Yeah. So it's queso, and then f- favorite taco. I'm gonna go real specific. I'm gonna go. Great. Chorizo breakfast taco. Mm. What do you think? You're speaking his language. Yes, oh, yeah. You are. Yeah. 100%. I mm-hmm. would share that with you. Uh, we need, you know, we need to make a trip. We need to go see Jamie Ivy down in Austin yes. and then just go get some breakfast tacos. Oh, so that's, that, that is really the mecca fun. for breakfast mm. tacos down there. Yes, it is. So good. Yeah. Oh, can, what are your favorite tacos? I love a breakfast taco. Even for dinner, I love a breakfast taco. <laughs> so. There's not a bad time of day for that. What about you? I'm kind of into right now. I've been a couple places where they have a hot chicken taco. Mm. Pickles. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good, good one. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Is, is Lady Bird, is that the move here in Nashville? Yes. Is yes. that the one? Definitely it is. In fact, don't leave our city without swinging I, by there, okay? Yeah. I need take to. Now that we've talked about a tree, it's a so great idea. idea. It's number yeah. four on the menu, okay? <laughs> and number <laughs> nine is my favorite, so you can get some nines I'll get from Kristen. Four and number nine. I'll there you go. Head that direction right now. Absolutely. Joey, thank you. Thank you. For the, the difference you're we making. Love Thank you, you all very, so very much. Grateful. Thank you. Appreciate you. Did you love today's episode? If so, would you mind sharing it with a friend? Send a quick text or email with the link to the show. Join us next time for another episode where we'll bring you help and hope on your journey of raising boys and girls. 